You are now listening to The Unit Report. Listen as we take a deep dive into the world of sports centered around Pittsburgh. Now, your hosts, Lucas and Troy. Welcome to this week's episode of The Unit Report. I'm Lucas here with Troy, and it is April 6, 2022. We have a lot to get to from la- since last week's episode, and we're just going to get right off the bat here. And so the GM meetings happened in West Palm Beach, I believe, in Florida over the past week in the NHL. And the biggest thing to come out of it was the NHL salary cap is going to increase $1 million from this season to next, up to $82.5 million. And it's kind of a surprise because since COVID and since revenues were down so much around the league, many thought we'd have a flat cap for the next few years. So even a $1 million bump is a sign of good things to come. And when you're in the Penguin situation, when you have to resign Rust, Malkin, and Latang, amongst others, this is good news. You know, it's really good news that uh, we have the extra million dollars. Uh, we obviously we've talked about it over the past few weeks, but the projections aren't great that we're probably going to have to let one of them go. But I want to get more into that later, actually, because there's a flurry thing that came out yesterday that I would like to discuss with you. But all in all, from the GM meetings, the biggest thing is we got one million dollars more in the cap next season. And that's a sign of good things for the Penguins. Another thing from the Penguins is Malkin uh, won it in OT for the Penguins versus the Wild and ties Yager for the most game-winning goals in franchise history. And I don't know if you know this, Troy, but Evgeny Malkin has been hot recently. He has been playing like that out-of-body experience he usually does. And with how hot he's been, do you think this changes the Penguins' outlook on the uh, UFA situation this offseason? I was going to say he's playing like someone that wants a paycheck. Yeah. So, but is that paycheck going to be with Pittsburgh? That's that's the ultimate question. I personally, I mean, we had this discussion last time where he's not much. Uh, he's thirty five right now, so you figure thirty six next year. So he at most maybe has, I don't know. He's been kind of injury plagued, so I give him maybe another three years max. I yeah. don't think he'll be one of those forty year old players. So I agree with that. Personally, I think. I would kind of let him walk because I think if he walks, he would get back to Russia. We had that discussion before. However, Brian Rust, with only being uh, 29, he's not super young, but he's kind of average there. Uh, I think we were saying he's looking somewhere in the six range maybe. Mm -hmm. So I I would definitely go for probably Rust. And then Latang, kind of same boat, uh, a year younger than Gino. But I don't know. He's making seven and a quarter million this year. So I don't know how much he'd want to take like less, but that million, I guess, helps and kind of doesn't and like really doesn't help at the same time because ultimately there's kind of like the ranges that they're going to be in. It's going to, Malkin's probably going to be in the upper, heck, probably the eights. And then Latang, I'd imagine, at like bare minimum is maybe mid sixes. So that still, from the Penguins' perspective, doesn't really help. I feel like the million uh, extra is kind of, is going to kind of help whenever you get down to the like actual numbers, like the specifics. So I don't know if you look at it from that perspective, it doesn't really change much in regards to uh, who they can keep. 
It's just, uh, I guess, how much leniency they have whenever it comes to negotiations with who they want to retain. But uh, obviously, retaining all three is not really going to be a viable option without major pay cuts, which I just don't see happening. The closer we're getting to it and the the hotter that like Malkin's getting, uh, it's kind of hard to see them, like you said, getting all three back. Obviously, in a perfect world, all th- those are three players you want on your team, but it's the viability of that option and how handcuffed you'll be with that. But the extra million, I think it does help because if you, if you look in the past few years of how close we've been to the salary cap, that's you definitely need every penny. And most teams, if you look around the league, are within like 500000 or a million dollars of the cap. So... I think it's definitely helpful and in the Penguin situation where they have these really good players that are coming off the books. I do think that they're all going to, I think uh, Malkin and Latang are going to get less money than they have now. Their average annual salary. I do think that they're good. Uh, Malkin's going to go down from nine and a half. And I think Latang is probably going to go down from seven to five a little bit, but Russ, you expect him to like nearly double his he's at three and a half now he's probably going to get like i'm going to say six and a half six seven five so pretty close to doubling that salary uh with a lot of term too so you're definitely going to need to make room and like i said there's a flurry thing that came out yesterday i guess we can just get to it now where on the jeff merrick show uh elliot friedman of sportsnet said that he expects flurry to be a penguin next season he fully expects him to be a penguin and split the net with jari so basically the Smith would be gone and then it would be a flurry jarry tandem. And with how loyal Flurry's been to the Penguins, you expect him to want to take a pay cut as well. And if I think if you get him in the fold and you have everyone on board with because he's a leader, you get him on board with everyone taking a pay cut. Maybe you'll see Latang take a little bit less, maybe half a million less. Malkin take a half million less that they could go get somewhere else. Uh I'd really hope that I really hope that, that we can do that, but it's going to be a really tough squeeze for Ron Hextall and his company uh, to do this, but we will see uh, more will come out about this in the next probably few weeks and months as the season ends, but we still have a lot of time left of actual hockey left. We still have uh, the rest of this regular season for the next month. And then the playoffs are going to ramp up and we have a little, a little goal race going on right now between two of the premier players in this league, Austin Matthews and Leon Dreisaitl. Matthews uh, is just a few games removed from a hat trick. He's at 54 right now, and Leon Dreisaitl is at 50. Kreider is a distant third. I guess not really distant, but he's at 47, and then it drops off 42, 41, 41. So right now it looks like a two-horse race for the Rocket Richard Trophy of Austin Matthews and Leon Dreisaitl. Troy, Kopech, who do you see pulling ahead and winning this thing? Is it Matthews or is it Dreisaitl? I want to say it's probably Matthews because I think he's definitely been kind of the most consistent. Uh, we talked about this before the show a little bit where uh, I feel like Dreisaitl is kind of in the shadow of McDavid a little bit. So that's just kind of how it is. Um, I, I think Matthews probably has the best shot to do it. But I don't know. This is kind of one of those things where if someone gets on a hot streak and they can really pull away with it, that's kind of what it seems like is happening to Matthews right now. Because if you look at it, like at the beginning of the week after they play, you know, two or three games, uh, it's really been back and forth for the past couple of weeks. So I still think it's kind of anyone's game, but I wouldn't be too surprised to see Matthews pull away with it. Yeah, I'm trying to see how many games each team has left, because I think that obviously plays a huge role 
The Oilers have 11 games left in the regular season, and the Leafs have 12. And since Matthews is already four up on Dreisaitl, it's looking bleak for Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, but he still has had a, an amazing season. Both him and McDavid have had great seasons in Edmonton. And Matthews, I think, we'll probably talk about this closer to the uh, end of the regular season, but I think Matthews is the MVP. I think he's going to get the Hart Trophy with how he's single-handedly carried that offense. Obviously, they have good players on that offense, but there, I don't think anyone has had as good of an individual impact on their team this season as Matthews. But that'll be fun to watch for. Probably Matthews wins it. We'll take a look and we'll see as these games progress a uh, little bit. We got a lot of injuries here. We're going to talk about here in the next uh, few minutes. Uh, Jason Zucker got his first game back uh, in 30 after missing 30 games with the Penguins and his first game back against uh, in Minnesota against the wild since he was traded from the wild to the Penguins. And what happens to Jason Zucker in that game? Well, he gets injured. He does what Jason Zucker does best. He gets injured, which obviously it's it's unfortunate. It sucks for him because that guy's been uh, he's been plagued with injuries over the past few seasons, and uh, ever since becoming a Penguin, really, he's really gotten the injury bug. But he had a weird fall into the boards after a Fiala kind of shoved him, in uh, and his legs kind of gave way and he fell into the boards. So he's injured right now. We haven't heard much as an update on that regard but we're going to keep a, uh, keep an eye on that. Hopefully it's not too long because that's the kind of guy that you want heading into the playoffs. He had, when you had slot him into the top six uh, forward group, it really, everyone kind of slots down a little bit and it shows you how deep this Penguins team is. So prayers up for Zucker. Hopefully we can get him back soon and we get him rolling. Speaking of falling awkwardly into the boards, this was kind of quite the segue. Yep. Uh, the Coyotes... Uh, star player Caton Keller took a very, I don't even know what you would call it. He was like going around behind the net, took kind of a weird fall, got his knee like stuck underneath him and right into the boards. I think he just um, lost his he footing. Ended up, it's, it was just kind of odd because it was sort of like, because you know how like normally if you know you're going to fall, you, you kind of like, like, I don't want to say, you kind of like pull everything together because mm-hmm. whenever he fell, he kind of was like, like he had everything all over the place, like limbs in every other direction. And it definitely looked like he wasn't expecting it. Oh, it crashed into the boards and unfortunately was stretchered off the ice. Um, he did give the thumbs up on the way off, but uh, he's done for the season with only there being a dozen or so games left. But yeah, it really sucks to see. It was just one of those kind of freak accidents. Um, just a really like awkward fall. And yeah, I hate to see it, but hopefully he'll be ready to go for next season. And one more injury to really put the cherry on top that we've had a lot of good players get injured this past week. Jack Hughes, the uh, breakout young star for the New Jersey Devils, took a bad hit. I'm not going to say a bad hit. He took a hit from Oliver Wallstrom of the New York Islanders. And it looked like a clean hit to me, but it it messed up Jack pretty bad. And he'll, he's going to miss the remainder of the regular season. And uh, honestly, with uh, they're not playing for anything the New Jersey devils, they're out of it. They've, they're already eliminated from playoff contention. There's no reason to rush him back. Let him rehab, let him go straight into the off season and uh, uh, get better heal. So I think it's the best call for them, but uh, he's an up and coming star. I think in the next uh, season or two, look out for him to be in the heart conversation because he's a crazy talented player. And if they ever can make a good team around him in New Jersey, 
that's uh, that's going to be a, a guy that really gets the national spotlight, in my humble opinion. Uh, but prayers up for all three of those guys, Hughes, Keller, and Zucker. And moving on to a lighter note, Jonathan Huberdeau, the, uh, was silently one of the best players in the league for the past few years, but really is at a coming out party this season. Uh, he is passed for the, uh, I forget who was in second place, but he has the most assists in a single season ever by a left winger. And uh, just a few games after he got that, uh, got to that accolade, he now has the most points in a single season by a Florida Panther. And we just got done talking about Matthews being in the MVP conversation. But where do you think Huberto ranks amongst in the MVP conversation? There's Matthews, there's Shesterkin on the Rangers. Those two have been at it. McDavid is obviously always in the conversation. But where does Huberto rank for you? I think he's up there if you base it. It depends what you base it off of, though. That's kind of the thing. What do you base it off of? If you base it off of, um, like, the most valuable most valuable player to the team is probably Huberto, but, like, Huberto to the Panthers because at least, like, uh, like the Oilers and stuff, they have McDavid and Dreisaitl, so that's kind of a pairing. But if you look at, like, most valuable, like, overall, like, for any team, I, I'm still thinking it's probably going to be probably Matthew still. But I don't know. I think he's definitely up there. It just kind of depends on the way you look at it. If you look at it on a per-team basis, I think Huberto probably has this one in the bag. But if you're looking at, like, a at the league as a whole, then I probably am going to go with Matthews overall. But then the thing is, is he does kind of have the support. So that's just sort of how, I don't know, it's kind of how you need to, like, judge it. They have a pretty deep team in Florida. I mean, they don't have a ton of stars because I think part of the reason they do. They that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like think, uh, A-list names that he's playing with. I mean, Toronto's I've, a lot. Yeah, but part of the reason I think that they're not A-list names is because they play in Florida. You know, they're not getting the national spotlight. Like guys like Barkov, Alex Barkov, Aaron Ekblad, those guys are really good players. But because they play in a market that doesn't get a ton of attention up until this season, really, uh, I don't think that they're you know, they get that much recognition to me. I think I see Huberto as honestly like five, like fifth or sixth in my heart conversation. I don't want to get too much into it because we're probably going to have a dedicated episode where we predict the award winners. But to me, the most valuable to his team would be Shesterkin. I don't think the Rangers are even, they're probably fighting for a playoff spot. If it's not for Shesterkin, he, they are a much better team with him as their starting netminder then uh, I think he's the best single impact out of any of the guys that we've talked about. But I, but that's not really what the award is. The award is kind of like just the best player, most valuable around the league single-handedly. I say Matthews wins it, but I think ab- above Huberto, it's probably Shesterkin. I would put McDavid in there. I would even put Kale McCarr or Roman Yossi in there. Those are two defenders that are having historic seasons. Uh, and they're carrying their teams, especially Roman Yossi. He, the Predators are in the conversation for the playoffs because of Roman Yossi. So Hubert is having a great season, don't get me wrong, and he's going to put up a ton of numbers. But when it's all said and done, he may hit like 85, 90 assists, which is insane. But I, like I said, I probably have him fifth or sixth. But that's my opinion. We'll have more conversations about that as the season starts to finish up here. But um, I think that's... 
that for for that. But Zegras, Zegras did it again. Did you watch the? Did you see his lacrosse goal? I did. That's what his third. I think that was that was his. I think it was his second lacrosse goal, but the one he had where he flipped it over the net. Remember and uh, Milano like swatted it out. But yeah. So, yeah, another another goal. This is great for the game. And then later in that game, because against the Arizona Coyotes, they got mad that the Ducks, you know, were happy and were enjoying their win and were pulling off moves like that. So Jay Beagle and like decided to attack uh, the Anaheim Ducks. They gave Troy Terry a black eye. Did you see that? I did not. Troy Terry got beat up mercilessly by Jay Beagle and uh, he basically jumped him and it looked, it was awful to see really. And it's uh, yeah, I don't really know. Uh, it was just, it was a gutless play to be honest with you, but they don't, the coyotes got mad that the ducks were playing well. So I guess when you can't beat teams with skill, you got to beat the crap out of them. That seems to be how it is. Yeah, that's what the flyers say. did. But speaking of the flyers beating the crap out of things, they beat the crap out of Keith Yandel's hopes and dreams. Yeah, pretty much. The uh, Iron Man streak, which I believe it was – it's been Keith Yandel and Phil Kessel, I think, were pretty much the top two for who knows how long. Um, Phil won. Uh, Keith Yandel was benched. And uh, his Iron Man streak comes to a close. It was well over 10 years at 989 games. Just 11 games short of the 1,000 mark, which I believe the Flyers had left. So yep. I think he would have hit it on this either the last game or second to last game would have been it would have been his thousandth. Uh, I don't know. I I personally think that they should have just played him because it's not like the Flyers are even remotely in contention. I feel like that's just kind of a bad classless like move on the organization because it's not like they're. I don't know. They're not playing for anything. Like, it's not like he was very good, but it's not like they're any even they're like anywhere close to even like a wild card remotely. So I don't really see what the point of it is. I mean, they just got rid of Drew for that exact reason of them having basically nothing to play for. I feel like it was just kind of like a classless, like heartless move. But I don't know. I mean, because winning games obviously isn't a priority at this point. Whenever you're this far out of a spot and just kind of finishing out the season, but. Yeah, I just think it was kind of a bad move. At least let him get his thousandth, uh, thousandth, thousandth consecutive game and leave, and then you know call it quits after the season. But I don't know. I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm with you. I, I everything you said dead on. Uh, Kessel is, I think, 20 games back or 20-ish games back, so he's not going to be able to catch the record this season. Yeah, but he's now leading. He's the active leader, but all time Yandel still has it. And he'll, uh, if Kessel plays next season and doesn't get injured in the next remainder of the regular season and then the start of next season, he's going to be the all time leader. And he'll probably be the first to a thousand consecutive games, which for a player who started his career with, uh, he had testicular cancer and then he had shoulder surgery too, right off the bat. It's really impressive, and everyone, you know, people joke about Phil Kessel being like the hot dog guy, the like the, un, the unfit, unhealthy athlete that somehow made it. He, for all that, it's really impressive that he's going to be the all-time leader in games played 
uh, consecutively more than likely. Uh, even during like COVID, how so when half the league got COVID, somehow he's him and Yandel still didn't. Uh, you know, it's really a testament to uh, to those guys' uh, durability. And congrats to Yandel for making it to 989. I don't want to make this about Phil Kessel, but everything in life can be made about Phil Kessel if I really wanted to. But congrats, yeah, to, right. congrats to Keith Yandel. It's probably the end of his career, so great career to him. And, uh, you know, cheers to Kessel for uh, being the active leader now. That is it for hockey. That was a lot, but we have a lot. We have some stuff to talk about now with baseball. And boy, am I excited. Because, Troy, there's something you don't know here. I didn't write it down. This tomorrow's opening day. When is opening day? The home opener for the pirates. When is it? Do you know? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's April 12th. And the first pitch is at uh, four 12. Do you know where I'm going to be on, uh, on four 12 at four 12? No, I'm going to be at section three Oh seven at PNC park. Cause Dylan got his tickets. And me and Dylan are going to the home opener. I've never been to an opening day. I'm really excited for it. They, uh, the Pirates actually just announced that they have some upgrades to the stadium, including some bars in the outfield and center field. Yeah, it's great. Upgrade the freaking product on the field first, but sure, it's well, great. We're, we're going to get what in. we need another another place to buy another fifteen dollar beer. Gotta love well, it. We're going to talk about upgrading, well, downgrading the team right now. But I just wanted to throw that little note there. I'm very excited. I know you're the antithesis antithesis of Pirates baseball, but to be honest with you. I am very excited for opening day. I will also be at an opening day. Oh, he's going to Tampa again. Who? What else is there? No, I, I am not indeed. It is a, uh, I think it's low A ball or high A ball. I have no idea. Oh, Whatever Jack, that Daytona team Jack, is. Jackie uh, Robinson for, ballpark. <laughs> yeah, the Daytona Tortugas. I'll be there Friday if it doesn't rain, but it's Florida, so who the heck knows? Well, have fun Actually, with it's that. currently pouring, so that's kind of funny. But uh, Ooh, Very nice. Great. Um, but we're talking about downgrading the Pirates on-field product and nothing would be a bigger downgrade than trading our star player, Brian Reynolds, which uh, right after we recorded last episode, there were a lot of rumors the following day that there was a trade being made between the Pirates and the Padres, which would have sent Brian Reynolds, obviously, to San Diego. And the two names that were headlining the deal coming back were starting pitching, young starting pitchers, uh, Ryan Paddock, or sorry, Chris Paddock and Ryan Weathers. And that would not have been very good because Brian Reynolds is an incredible player. Those two guys are young starters. Paddock is a right-hander. Weathers is a left-hander. So that would have been good in the regard that we are low on. I don't think we have a ton of depth uh, pitching. And these guys would have been great guys you could start. However, you can't trade Brian Reynolds. Yeah, you can. You can trade anyone. You can't. You can't trade Brian Reynolds. You cannot. Anyone's fair game. I mean, look at Adam Frazier. Yeah, Adam Frazier sucked. I mean, after he left, he sucked. Yeah, I mean. Should have been. But still. Adam Frazier couldn't hold Brian Reynolds' jockstrap. Okay, that's that's a little rough, but uh, I don't know. It's whatever. The whole team's just kind kind of a mess. But the cruise situation, I don't know. The whole thing's just like no one cares. Diego Castillo made the team. He's the one prospect that made the big league roster for opening day. But O'Neill Cruz, starting in Indianapolis, um, uh, what, what's the what's the pitcher's name? Contreras, I think it was. He didn't make it either. 
uh, kind of sucks. But now, good good thing that happened. It looks like that deal, that Padres deal, isn't going to come to be because they the Padres traded for uh, athletic starting pitcher Sean Manaya and used some of the prospects that would have been in the deal in, uh, for Reynolds in that deal. So now apparently it's unlikely that that will happen. And that's good because we want Brian Reynolds. We need to sign him to a long-term deal and avoid any more trade rumors because honestly, I don't know how much more I can take. I mean, like I'm very excited for opening day just because it's opening day and I've never been to a packed PNC park, which I'll, I'll be a reporter. If it's, if it's packed, I'll let you know. If it's not packed, I'll let you know. I'm objective, but I am excited. I, I, I am. I'm very excited. Don't get your hopes too high. I'm hyped, man. I'm really hyped. I haven't been a, I haven't been to a game. I don't think I've been to no, I went to one game last year with my dad, but before that I hadn't gone to a game since me, you, and Dylan went, which was like two or three years ago. I was but like, I, I don't even remember that, but yeah. Uh yeah. Remember there was like a foul ball. No, there's a home run that went right to where we were after we moved. Remember that? Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was it. But uh but yeah, I'm excited. And I'm excited. I'm really excited that I get to see Brian Reynolds in a pirate uniform. Might be one of the oh, last games great. we get to see it, but we'll happy for it. Um, and then one more baseball thing, real quick. Uh, Craig Kimbrell was traded from the White Sox to the Dodgers for AJ Pollock, and I think in his first spring training inning for the Dodgers, he allowed like four runs uh, in like an inning. So that's a good start. Kim- Craig Kimbrell, once upon a time, was the best closer in baseball, and has quickly fallen off. But uh, anyways, opening day is tomorrow. Um, we sh- oh, well, you know, this would have been a great episode to have like season predictions before the season started. Baseball is one of those things that where it's all over the place. I mean, look at the Padres. Like, what was it? A couple of years ago. We're like, oh, yeah, they're going to go far. And that was then- last year. Oh, yeah, it was. Never mind. They didn't even make it to the playoffs. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, they're stacked. And then, no. Maybe maybe next episode we'll do that. It'll still be early enough in the season that we could, you know, make some preseason predictions. Yeah, you only have 162 games to play with. Yeah, I, I'm gonna remind me. We're gonna we're gonna like do like awards and like playoffs and shit. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. Okay, that'll be a good episode. But that's it for baseball. I'm excited for opening day. I'm, I know you are, obviously, for the uh, Daytona Aviators or whatever the fuck they're called. <laughs> Excuse my language. Whatever the hell they're called. What is the team name? Tortugas. It's a turtle. <laughs> Oh man, that is that's great. I love that. It really is. Okay, I'm gonna petition Bob Nutting to buy the Daytona Tortugas. They're they're part of the Reds. Okay, all right. Yes, yeah, so I probably I don't I don't know anyone in that organization. That's in single A or whatever. But anyways, it'll be fun. We we both have different levels of opening day experience, so you know we, we can come back and report. Maybe next week will be an all full baseball episode. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Uh, NFL news, a couple things. Uh, Bruce Arians retired. This was literally the night after we recorded. This was literally the day after Tom Brady announced his comeback. Bruce Arians retired uh, from the Bucks to head coach, and Todd Bowles, who was their former defensive coordinator and the former Jets head coach, was named the new head coach of the Buccaneers. And there were there were reports that Brady and Arians had a rift. However, publicly, both have denied. And apparently Tom Brady knew when he announced his re- return that Arians would have been gone. He was Arians was going to be leaving anyways once Brady returned. So interesting. But now the Buccaneers have a new head coach. I don't think it's going to change much. 
I honestly don't think head coaches in, in football matter too much, but I, I, either way, we'll see what happens with this, uh, this new team and Bruce Arians is heading to, I don't know, where do people in Tampa go to retire? Tampa. I was going to say, is he just going further into Tampa? <laughs> Probably. Interesting. Uh, the Minnesota Ram- or something, who knows? Yeah, that sounds right. The Rams added Pro Bowl former Seahawk linebacker Bobby Wagner to a five-year, $65 million deal. Uh, and he's obviously just like Russell Wilson. He left the Seahawks and uh, you know is now going elsewhere. The Rams lost uh, Von Miller to free agency. They thought they were going to get him back, but he went to the Bills. And in place, they get Bobby Wagner. So good team. Gets even better. The rich get richer. What else is new? And final note for football, Frank Gore, everyone's favorite grandfather running back, signed a one-day deal with the 49ers and retired. I don't know how this number is in front of me, but that guy has been playing since I was little. So it makes sense that he finally retires. And running back is a physical position to play. So the fact that he played for as long as he did is pretty insane. It's crazy, uh, but congrats to him on a crazy good career, probably going to Canton, but we will see. There's a golf thing that we didn't have written down on our prep. There is. There is indeed the Masters coming up. I believe they start tomorrow. And Tiger Woods is a game-time decision. Yes. And? I think they're advertising it as a game-time decision just because they don't want everyone to, like, I don't know, like get it super hyped up. But from what it sounds like is he's going to be playing. And the the odds of him winning, I think, were plus 5,000. So. But he's publicly said that he's nowhere close to what he used to be. I mean, in all fairness, the dude's lucky to be alive. So, But no one is better at Cinderella stories and theatrics than Tiger Woods. No one likes a comeback story like Tiger Woods, you know? I wouldn't put anything past him. I'm not going to bet on it. Or maybe if I do, I'll put a dollar or two down. But. It's fun to think about, you know, it's, it's, it is very fun to think about. Imagine, okay, new plan. If he wins the masters next week is not an all baseball episode. It's an all golf episode. We spend, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a great deterrent. We spend an hour talking about Tiger Woods and we'll go, I'll read his Wikipedia page word for word. We'll take an oh, hour. Great. I don't care. Copyright too. First, now it's boring Wik- as hell. And now Wikipedia like- is public domain. But nice try. Oh, yeah, you're right. Never mind. Nice well, try. for now. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be really fun to watch that. I'm going to keep an eye on the Masters throughout the weekend. Going to be good. Augusta, right? Yeah. Yep, Augusta, Georgia. Augusta, Georgia. Beautiful. I'm place. in Georgia Monday. Uh, I don't remember asking. I'm kidding. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm just fine. Um, no, you were, and you – uh did you do anything fun in Georgia? Did you play around a golf? I, I did indeed. I did something very fun. I landed the plane, proceeded to taxi back to the runway, took back off and turned back south. <laughs> I that, was on the grounds in Georgia for about five minutes. You know, on the list of things to do in Georgia, I think that's like the number one thing that people do is that they, they go to Georgia and then they immediately leave. It is. Fly to, fly to Brunswick, Georgia, land, turn around and come back. Didn't even go to Atlanta. I thought you, you know, you should land your Cessna at uh, Atlanta International. Oh, yeah, they'll love that. <laughs> beep, beep, coming through. I'm on my, I'm on my way. Um, Sounds like a freaking lawnmower. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, you're right. Um, that's, I think, all we have. We kind of sped through that. We had a lot to talk about, but I think we got through it pretty quick. Pretty much. Um, I think that's about it. NASCAR is still making left turns. Um, sometimes they do. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes. If they make a right, if they make a right turn, then they normally bad things happen. But now, you mentioned racing. There is one thing we never. I don't think we've ever talked about Formula One ever on the show, but it's gotten more popular in America with the uh, whole Netflix series, the drive to survive and everything. And they have announced that they are coming to America for a circuit and they are doing the Las Vegas strip. They are racing F1 cars on the Las Vegas strip. I know that doesn't mean a whole lot to you, but as a honorary Las Vegas resident, that is That is so awesome. I, have no, I think it's in 2023. They announced the, what the track is going to be and everything. They announced it at the Cosmopolitan Hotel. And it looks so sick. It's going to be so fun. See, I wanted them to do a, uh, a NASCAR, uh, like a, not NASCAR, but like someone to do a Florida circuit where you start in Daytona at the racetrack and then they go down I-4 to Tampa. Then you take whatever that road is down to Miami and then 95 it all the way back. And first one across the, the, uh, Finish line in Daytona wins. Nice. I think it's a great idea. You close down those new express lanes, and then they just <laughs> floor it all the way to Tampa. I'm serious. They'd be able to make it to Tampa in like an hour and oh, maybe an hour and like 15 minutes or something. Oh, that's something I wanted to ask you. Whenever I went down to uh, Florida when I was with you, they were doing that Orlando, the construction in Orlando. With they did. Roads. It opened. It opened. Finally. Finally. When was that? Yeah, after like well, like a month ago. That's awesome. Wow. I remember that I was know. a mess. It was a mess whenever I was down there. It's actually nice. PA needs to get their game together, but eh, it's PennDOT. I wouldn't expect it. Yeah, you're right. They'll get they'll write down, get our act together in 10 years. One more thing, actually, now that I brought up Vegas, that I wanted to discuss. Probably should have brought it up during MLB, but I wanted to get your opinion on it. Uh, there there has been rumors which if you look at the payroll of the A's, it makes sense that they want to get out of Oakland. There have been rumors that they are looking to build a ballpark on the Las Vegas Strip and join the Raiders in Las Vegas. What do you think about that? Uh, what was it? But this is completely random. But I saw something that Dylan sent me where they're proposing a new stadium, and it's next to like some gigantic freight train yard and I guess the who, whatever owns that company is threatening to like sue the crap out of them because they're basically gonna they're like guaranteeing that someone's basically gonna get freaking clapped by a freight train in Oakland or in Vegas. I think it was I don't remember where it was. Probably in Oakland. I remember Dylan sent me something and I clicked on it and like the rendering was literally like the outfield was next to like some gigantic like train freight thing. I think and I know like someone's about. going to get destroyed because you know, so like after a, there's going to be those couple people after a couple of drinks are going to figure out how to like get down onto the tracks it's and the they're just going to get yeah. clapped. Yeah, it's the one in Oakland. I know you're talking about it because it's at the Howard Terminal in Oakland. And it's horrible. Like the, 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 like the stadium looks like, yeah, but like the location looks horrendous. It, it like who looks, the hell wants to watch a baseball game and listen to a freaking like train horn every five minutes? It, besides, like one people, besides one person. Yeah, we know one guy, and it, and it's the A's too. So like, this is a dream of his. But yeah, it's in the middle, like in a, of an industrial park. I know what you're saying, yeah. But 
I the validity of that, like I don't I think you're right. I don't know how well that would work. I think it, moving moving them to the Las Vegas strip sounds a lot better. It looks like the equivalent of like if uh they were just to like flatten half of Carnegie, then move PNC Park out there to where like the old like steel mills and stuff are. That's kind of what it looks like. Essentially. I, I think a better because since it's industrial, I think a better and like on the riverfront, I think a better comparison would be like Monongahela. Like PA, like you know, like that town, put it out there. Like the steel mills are still out there and, and stuff, you know. I think that it's kind of what it looks like. But there's they've I think they put they put proposals in on like five or six different locations in Vegas. And people have seen how successful the Gold Knights have been, how successful the Raiders and their new stadium is, which is off the strip. But apparently there's a lot of uh interest in building the ballpark right on the strip, south of the strip. By like the Mandalay Bay Hotel, and I think that would be pretty cool. I think having a baseball team in Vegas would be great. It, ha- it has to be indoors, obviously, because it gets like 110 in uh, Vegas summers, uh, like every day. So that would obviously be something they have to look at and do. But it's an interesting concept, and if they do, you'll catch me. Because also, baseball games in general are cheaper than the other other sports. So you like you can't go to a Raiders game for cheap. You definitely can't go to a Golden Knights game for cheap. I can attest to that. So a cheap sports option in Vegas, I'm for it. Oakland A's send them to Vegas, and I guarantee you, if they go to Vegas and they start getting a ton of money, maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll start you know spending money and keeping good players. They single handedly traded like their three or four best players this offseason. Sean Manaya is a Padre. Matt Olson is a Brave. Matt Chapman is a Blue Jay. And they traded their one other pitcher to the Mets. So they are a hot mess uh, in Oakland. So I think they'd rather be a hot mess in Las Vegas. I don't know about you, but I would rather be. Um, that's all. I forgot to add that. So I wanted to talk about that. We will be back next week. And like I said, we're probably going to make have our little MLB season prediction episode then. Because we forgot to do it this episode. I know. Three episodes in a row. Pretty impressive. We are finally being consistent. This is what we need. And uh, I hope I hope the people appreciate it. You know, I surely do. I, I appreciate it. But that'll be all. Uh, do you want to take us out or do you want me to take us out? Sure, I'll finish it off. Um, that'll wrap it up for this week's report. Thank you for tuning in. I can actually say this week's report because we're actually kind of consistent instead of yeah. this year's. But uh, thank you for tuning in. Listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio. What else? Apple Podcasts, Pandora. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, those. Follow uh, Lucas. I'll give him. I'll, I'll do your shameless plug at Lucas Wester on Twitter. And then also at the Inner Report, if you want to send us comments, um, you know, hate mail, whatever, you know, honestly, whatever. Yeah. Lucas yeah. reads it all. Do. But uh, he does indeed. Um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. See ya. Adios. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Unit Report. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Twitter at The Unit Report. <laughs>